Welcome to Career Tools. This week, analysis tools, the five whys. The question this cast answers are, what is the five whys technique? How is the five whys technique useful? And how do I use the five whys technique? The best value at Manager Tools is to buy an annual license to our material. For $200 a year, you get access to show notes for every single show produced over a hundred a year, plus our entire archive of nearly a thousand shows. You wouldn't want to print it out all in one place. It'd be a management Wikipedia and it'd be probably 5,000 pages. You get all that plus access to things I think I think and even more powerfully, the interview creation tool, which may be our strongest and most least known digital tool that we have and more digital tools to come in the future available only to licensees. Ask another licensee. They'll tell you it is the best value they have. Okay, Kate, we're starting a new series today of analysis tools. So we're going to go through a bunch of different ways to investigate ideas, to look for the causes of problems or to improve processes. And we're going to do them over probably the next year or so. And we're starting with one called the five whys. I'm excited. I think this is going to be helpful for people. So will you tell us our outline? Absolutely. We're going to start with what are the five whys? And then we're going to talk about being cautious. And then the last part of today is going to be examples of the technique and the tool so we can use it effectively. Okay. So the five whys is a simple technique that was designed and used by Toyota in their manufacturing plants. And there are a bunch of different versions with a different number of whys, and they can be used for different aims. So for example, you could use it for goal setting. You could use it for talking about people. You can talk, you can use it about talking about projects. The way we're going to use it today mostly is about problem solving and the way you use it is to find the root cause of the problem. So instead of looking at a problem, say you have a problem on a line and the cars are all getting stuck in the same place, uh, instead of saying, okay, what's the problem? Well, the cars keep getting stuck. Then you solve that kind of that problem, but you don't solve the underlying cause. And then the problem just moves somewhere else. And the way the five whys works is to get at the underlying problem, which may be something like, oh, the design of this part makes it a problem when it goes across the line or, you know, the robot can't handle it properly or whatever. So you look for the underlying cause and you fix that, which fixes the problem, but it also makes the process better at the same time. So to use this technique, all you do is ask why. (laughs) It's really easy. (laughs) Right. For each answer you get, you ask why did that happen and so on and so forth. It's really like a root cause analysis. So for example, your problem might be that there's too many bugs in the code. And so we ask why? Well, the developers are working too fast. Okay. Why again? (laughs) Because there's an unrealistic deadline. And why? Because the customer demanded it and we acquiesced to that. Well, why did we do that? Why? Because we need cash for the company. Why? Because we don't have enough customers. And so the end point that we find, the root cause, is far from the initial problem, right? It's not a coding issue at all, but a sales problem, really. And so the five whys can help us to find those root cause issues. 
And often they are way far away from the problem that you think you have. So you think you have a problem with the bugs in the code, and actually what you have is the sales problem. That's a really common finding with the five whys, that the problem sits in a completely different department or a different division or is completely different from the problem that you think you have. So you don't need any tools apart from maybe a whiteboard or a piece of paper to write down the answer. But what is important is having the right people in the room. So if you're looking for the root cause, what you need is the people who best understand the problem and also the people who are best able to find solutions. Yeah, it's not enough just to have people who, you know, maybe just familiar with the code, right? You have to have people who can help to get to the solution as well. So if it is our bug example, then you need the quality assurance person who found the bug. You also need someone, maybe the developer who understands the code, who wrote it, and probably at least one other developer with experience, because having just the quality person and the developer isn't enough. The person who found the bug may not actually know how to fix it. And the person who wrote the code may not be able to see past the coding issue. We have to be able to see past this one problem that we're having, this one symptom. And so we need to have the right people in the room. It's also really important if you're using the five whys to be able to define the problem correctly. If you have a vague or large question, maybe you're not going to get a good result. Perhaps you're talking about the marketing campaign. And if you say our marketing campaign isn't working, well, if we ask why to that, you could get a vague answer, which really doesn't narrow down the problem. But if you had a more specific question or issue, perhaps the campaign isn't converting at the point of the landing page, and you asked why about that specific problem, which is less global, right? More focused. You can get a much more focused answer, which is often more helpful. Let's try that. So our marketing campaign isn't converting. That means it isn't creating sales at the point of the landing page. So the landing page is, is if you're going to a website, if you followed a link from somewhere else or you followed a link from an ad, that's the first page that you get to. And the idea often of landing pages is that they're very long. They give you a lot of information and then the buy is right at the bottom um, and you expect, you know, a number of people to press that buy button and go through with the purchase. And that number can be anything from 0.1% to 10%. It depends on what you're doing. But if the landing page isn't converting at all, in other words, you're getting 0% of sales, then that's clearly something you want to do something about. So if you start with a problem statement, our campaign isn't converting at the point of the landing page, then you ask why. And maybe the answer is the customers aren't convinced by what's on the page. They're reading the page. You can tell from analytics that they read the whole page, but then they don't press the buy button. So whatever they're reading isn't convincing them that this is a good product. So why, why would that be? Perhaps there's no social proof or testimonials. So social proof is when other people say, hey, this is a good product. And testimonials work as social proof. And there's other things that work as social proof as well. But basically, if somebody recommends a product to you, you're much more likely to buy it. If you don't know someone who bought it, but there are testimonials on the page and they say this is a really good product, then you're more likely to buy it. And that's why Amazon has testimonials on the pages for the products that, you know, you can read everybody else's experience of the product. So maybe our page doesn't have any of those and that's why it's not converting. 
So why would that be? Well, it's a new product, and so we don't have any testimonials yet. That's the problem with putting out a new product is until somebody has tried it, then you have no you have nobody to write your testimonials. And that's why books are, obvious, uh, are often sent ahead of time, ahead of publication to people who might review it because that way you get some reviews ready for the, for the first day. So why, why don't we have any? Well, because we haven't asked for any. That, that might be the case. That It may be that you have the product and you could send it to people for review, but you haven't asked anybody to review it. And why might that be? Well, maybe you have a fear that it's not a good product and there's a lot of money invested in it and you have some anxiety about sending it to people and have them review it. And that's not a marketing problem, that's an emotional problem, a fear that your product isn't good enough. And that happens, it sounds like a very uh, emotional, emotional sounds like a very single person thing, but it happens in teams as well, it happens in big companies that are launching a product that perhaps they have some anxiety about, you know. Um, in medicine particularly there's you're launching a new drug for example you have all the proof that it works but until doctors start prescribing it you don't know that you're not making sales and maybe you worry that the doctors just aren't going to understand this drug because it's new and they're not going to prescribe it they're going to carry on prescribing the thing that they know and understand and their patients get on with and so there might be some anxiety and that prevents you asking for reviews because you worry about what's going to be said. You can continue asking why if five isn't sufficient. And then if you think that there's more than one root cause, you can repeat the technique. So you could say the marketing campaign wasn't converting at the point of the landing page. You could say it's because there's no t- testimonials. It might be that the page is badly written. It might be that the link is wrong and an ad. There could be a bunch of things. And so you can use each of those as the second step and then dive into them with more whys. This technique is simple and it's effective. It's There's a lot of elegance in it, honestly. Um, and also being able to continue to use it, um, repeating the technique is something that you know, you don't need another technique. You can use this one again. Um, a really good example of this is in 1989, the National Park Service commissioned a study about erosion on the Jefferson and Lincoln memorials because the memorials were showing signs of damage. And the consultants published a report that said that increasingly toxic effects of nature, things like acid rain and water seepage and air pollution were the cause. And that probably we should be concerned because there were some serious structural problems as well. And then a 50 pound block of marble fell off the Jefferson Memorial. Unfortunately missed everybody underneath. Oh, that was sheer luck, right? That's not good. And so the park service was forced to take action and there was some, you know, that we said toxic effect of nature. That was what was in the report, but some of those were man-made effects. And one of them was the cleaning of the memorials. When they compared the cleaning of the cleaning cycle, the repetition, the amount of cleaning that these monuments were getting compared to the other monuments, they found that these, the Jefferson and Lincoln memorials were cleaned actually more often than the others. And every time the water hit the buildings, it got into little cracks. And because of weather and temperature changes and things like that, the cracks would widen and become larger when the buildings expanded and contracted, right? Because it's stone memorials. And so, yeah, you know, heat and cold can cause those little cracks to become much bigger ones. So, so far we have the buildings are eroding, 
Why? Because of the toxic effects of nature. Why? Or what are they? And one of them is we clean them. We clean the memorials more often than we clean others. So why do we do that? Because they right, they found out that they talked to the cleaners and they said it was because there were some black deposits on the memorials that weren't on the other memorials. And it turned out to be midges eggs. So the midges would come by for, or come from the, the Potomac River and they were attracted by the lights that they used to light the memorials at dusk. And of course they would mate and deposit their eggs in the memorial. And then the spiders came. <laughs> so why do we clean them more often? Because there's black deposits. Why are there black deposits? Because the midges like the light. Then now we have spiders. Mm -hmm. Why do we have spiders? Because of the midges. And then what, we have birds. Why do we have birds? Because the birds like to eat the spiders. <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't a perfect why, why, why example, because it's real life and real life doesn't quite work that way. But we can see that if we say, why, why are we cleaning more often? Well, it's all related to these midges and the fact that they are attracted to light. And that's causing a few things, and each of them causes more dirt on the memorials. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the reports said that it was the bird waste that was the problem, but actually it was the midges who brought spiders and birds. And the Park Service had to find a solution to deter the midges at dusk. And it was really smart, actually. They decided to light the memorials an hour later. And this worked but then it upset a lot of photographers so the lighting was was returned to its normal timing you can see though if, if you look at this example of this and it's such a cool example actually um there could have been a lot of answers to the first why right it could have been acid rain why are the these memorials having bigger issues when one why string is exhausted though we can return and try again to find another reason right we can use this solution again to investigate more deeply and find the real root cause. The next part is some cautions on using the five whys. You can get quite excited <laughs> by, by it and you can uh, answer questions kind of facetiously, I guess, and not really be helpful to yourself. So we're going to caution you and, and let you know some of the mo most common uh, issues that people come up with uh, when the five whys aren't working. So, for example, it's easy to confuse symptoms with causes. When we're talking about the Jefferson Memorial, it would be easy to see the birds and assume that bird waste was the problem. And then if that was the case, you might say, OK, well, we can put up some spikes to dissuade them from landing on the memorials. But actually, because birds can catch spiders and uh, midges in the air, the problem wouldn't have been solved at all. So we would, you know, that would be a case of confusing a symptom with a cause, it's important to make sure that you get to the very end of the Y chain in order to find the root cause, right? It's like a fault tree analysis and, and we have to get all the way to the bottom of it. If you're the kind of person who jumps to conclusions, you probably need some logical people on your team. It's a step-by-step -step process. The five whys is to go step-by-step -step to the logical conclusion rather than leap to the conclusion that we might be leaning towards, right? If, if we think it's bird waste and we put up spikes, well, we haven't solved our problem. It's easy often to write off the conversion problem as a marketing problem or the deterioration as a bird problem. But the cause can actually be pretty far removed from that. Just like our example with uh, coding, right? It was actually a marketing problem. 
And you can check the logic of your answers by working backwards and adding the words and therefore. So you start with the final cause and you work back up to the problem statement. So, for example, midges are attracted to the lights at the memorial and therefore spiders and other bugs are attracted to the midgets and therefore birds are attracted to the site and leave their droppings and therefore the memorial is cleaned more often than similar buildings. And again, it's not it's not perfect. It doesn't perfectly de- describe the example because the example is real life and real life is complicated. But it's clear enough that there is a problem with the midges and that that is causing the clean the cleaning issue, which is causing some at least some of the erosion. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that we want to be cautious about is leaving our answers, our core issues, to human error or inattention. This technique, the five whys, is designed to look at the process, not people. If people aren't getting things done correctly, then we need to design a process or alter the process, create a new process to help to get things done correctly. For example, if the form is constantly being filled out with the wrong codes, then putting the correct choice of codes into the form might be the solution that fixes the human error. I had this experience at my previous role where there was this one form that we had and I filled it out all the time and it had pull downs for the reason for the change because it was a documentation change and every single time there were duplicates. I never understood why. It was like four codes and they're all zero, one, and then another number. And it was zero, one, one, and then there was another zero, one, one. I never understood that. We actually found out later that it was just repetition. There was no reason for that. And so it was it had been causing confusion for forever. So it's, it wasn't human error, right? That's a place where you could say, why? And you could say, well, people aren't filling it out correctly. Well, there's a pretty simple reason why we weren't filling it out correctly. <laughs> because somewhere way, way, way back in the past, someone had made a human error, right? Mm-hmm. But the solution isn't to go fix that thing in the past because you can't. The solution is to fix the form right now. Exactly. So now we have some examples of the five whys. Here's a simple one. This one's fun. My car won't start. Why? Because it doesn't have any gas. Why? Because I didn't fill it up. Why? Because I thought my husband was going to. Why? Because he usually does on Thursdays. Why? Because he passes the gas station on the way home from karate with the kids. Why? Because every week he takes the kids to karate, except during the holidays, and yesterday was a holiday. That's why he didn't fill your gas up, because this is a convenient, it's one of those things that husbands and wives tend to do, or people in relationships that live in the same house. They find a convenient way to get household chores done, and they relate it to something else. So this is one thing that people who talk about habits say. You you build one habit on a habit you already have. And one of the important things in, in a household is having gas in in the car ready to go and so the husband has built this this habit of fitting the gas on the habit of taking the kids to karate but then when he doesn't do it then there's no gas in the car so somehow you have to create a new process for remembering oh it's the holidays and we're not going to karate and therefore we still have to fill the car up in the morning or later on, or we just have to remember that there isn't any in it before we, we go to run errands and, and leave us some extra time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the root cause here is the change in the routine, right? That first habit was broken. And so they need a different solution. It's not anyone's fault. The five whys doesn't look for fault, but it does look for a cause that can be fixed systematically. So even if the cause was someone forgot, you could still fix that systematically. Maybe we put an alarm on someone's phone or a post-it on the steering wheel or something like that to fix that, right? Because we're looking for the cause that we can fix. Yeah. It's no one's fault. And often the five whys doesn't usually end up in someone's fault. Like we said, you can't leave it at inattention or human error. Those things are things that you could say, well, it was Bob's fault. He made an error. But if the process isn't helping Bob, then it's the process that's the problem, not Bob. So let's do another one. Okay. We close the accounting books late every month. Why? Because we get the data late. Why? Because the stores don't consistently send in the data on time. Why? Because they're open seven days a week and they don't have the time or understanding or knowledge. Why? Because there isn't someone dedicated to sending in the numbers for the books. And why is that? We've never required it. Oh! (laughs) And there you go. It's pretty simple, right? The solution is pretty simple. Um, we just train one or two people in all the stores to send in the data and we give them a calendar so they know when to do it. Yeah. And closing books in a company, if you're closing the books late every month, that's a big deal because the reason you have books is so that you know how the business is doing. You know what your cash flow is so that you can make decisions based on that cash. You know what your positions in the in debts and liabilities are. You know what your your position in assets because all of those things drive decisions. And if you're not closing the books and you don't have the correct data, then you're going to make bad decisions or potentially bad decisions. And so having having those books closing late is a big deal. And training a couple of people per store to make sure that they send you the data on time and they send you the right data that's going to be a big win in the head office so that we are closing the books on time and we have the data we need. Yeah. The five whys um, often find very simple or um, granular solutions. Um, Even if they're not easy to implement, the solutions are pretty clear. And that's a really big piece of value for this technique because sometimes, you know, when we're looking for solutions, we find really complicated ones, which (laughs) makes it hard. It's not to say that the simple solution is simple to implement or to to start using, but it is often very clear and granular for us. Let's do one more. Cool. So when we make offers to candidates, they turn us down. Why? We don't know. Why? Because we haven't asked them. (laughs) That's a really simple, simple example. And you don't need five whys to get to the answer. So sometimes the answer is kind of higher up. I think you should always look to see if there's one more why. But, you know, why don't we ask them? Well, because we never have and nobody ever suggested it. This is not terribly helpful. So why we don't ask them is, you know, that's when the light bulb goes on and you say, oh, well, why don't we ask them? Why Can we ask them? Is it possible to ask them? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> And having the answer, of course, would make the problem clearer and and it would enable us to find a solution. So other times the answer could be many things. So let's give another example. Um, When we make offers to candidates, they turn us down. Why? 
salary, the terms and conditions, and benefits. Okay, so now we have three possible causes, the salary, the terms and conditions, which is how many hours you work, where you work, what you do when you're there, and the benefits. It could be one of those things or it could be all of them. So now you have to go through each one to see which which one it is or which more than one it is and how you can solve that problem. So, for example, let's take salary and work through that one. Okay. So when we make offers to candidates, they turn us down. Why? Salary. Why? Because we pay at the low end of the market rate. Why? Because we have to keep salary costs low. And why is that? Because it's a focus of our CEO. Okay, so the CEO wants to keep hiring costs or salary costs low as a percentage of the costs of the company. And now the question is not, oh, well, that's easy. We'll just solve it by paying higher salaries because the CEO has a reason for doing what they're doing. And it's possible that they don't know that the effect of what they what they tell people about salaries is that they lose good candidates. So what you need to do is then go to the CEO and say, hey, we're happy focusing on salary. You know, we do that now. But let me tell you, out of 10 candidates, nine turn us down and and they tell us it's because of salary. So do you want to change that? It's a very different conversation than going to the CEO and saying we should pay more to people, right? Yeah. It's a much more effective conversation the other way. Yeah, let's pay everyone more. I can tell you what the CEO said. No, and get out of my office. We could pay them more if you don't work here. (laughs) Oh, nice. Burn. (laughs) Yeah, burn. Let's try one of the other causes. Okay. Uh, When we make offers to candidates, they turn us down. Why? The terms and conditions. By that, we mean the hours, the way people have to work, the dress code, etc. Why is that? Our normal working hours are 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., which candidates tell us they don't like. And why is that? Mm, it doesn't fit into their normal workday idea. Okay. So, again, this is shorter because we run out of, of whys at this point. It, it's obvious that, that 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. is not normal working times. And for some people, it would be a benefit. But there's other people who don't want to get up at 4.30 Um, and don't have any benefit of being finished at three or you know if you finish at three and nobody that you want to do something with is finished until five or six you got like three hours of not doing anything waiting for your friends to be free then perhaps that wouldn't be a schedule that would be one that you would benefit from so the solutions to this point too we could demonstrate to the candidates the benefits of being on an early schedule Mm -hmm. Because there are, right? You can go to the gym and go to the grocery store. You can get all of your chores done before everybody else and before five o'clock, which means that when your friends are free, you can hang out with them and know that all of your stuff has gotten done, right? So that's really exciting. And you get more. My favorite thing about being done early like that is that you have more daylight time. So nice to have like an afternoon to do something. Also, you don't get stuck in rush hour, which is a really nice thing if you commute. Um, You don't get stuck in rush hour either way, right? No. It's so nice not to have a commute in the morning that's hampered by rush hour. Stressful. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mind it less, but first thing in the morning, it's so frustrating to be in rush hour traffic. So there are benefits, right? And we can can talk to the candidates about that. Um, For some people, this is a really great opportunity. And again, that's a simple solution 
And it's not, oh, all right, well, we just have to change the, the time that everybody works. If there's a reason for your company to work from 6 a.m. till 3, maybe you want an overlap with Europe, for example. If there's a reason for it, then you don't want to go changing everybody's work schedules who already work there. What you need to do is sell it better to the candidates. And so, again, that's this, it's a really simple solution. It's not terribly obvious from the first question. Like, we get turned down by candidates. It's not terribly obvious that the answer is sell them on the benefits of a short schedule. I mean, they are related. They're closer than some of the examples we've given, but they're still quite far apart. It's a nice, easy solution. Yeah. It's so funny to to see this technique work. You know, it really does find simple granular solutions. Um, the five whys allow us to step through the causes of the problem and to find the root cause. And once we've found that, once we've discovered that root cause, we're often able to create a solution. The solution is often far from the problem. It's not what we initially saw as the issue. And this is the right tool to use when we're looking for a simple cause and effect solution to a problem. And there'll be other tools that we'll talk about that are right for other things. We don't want to encourage you now you have a hammer to see everything as a nail. This is the right tool sometimes and it's not the right tool other times, but it is a nice tool and it's really easy to use. So we hope you'll try it. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Wendy. Bye, everyone. Hope that was helpful for everyone who is trying to find the root cause of their problems. We'll be back with more next week. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. It's available on both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download the Manager Tools app. Just search for Manager Tools in the respective store or go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. Once you've installed the Manager Tools app, you'll have access to all the Manager Tools and Career Tools shows anytime, anywhere you want with easy searching of podcasts by category, using the map of the universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're a Manager Tools personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Manager Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did. <laughs>